Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 182 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Rich Marin. Rich lives in Long Island, New York, where he is a realtor, but he also goes to Florida and invests in real estate there. So welcome, Rich. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. Well, I'm so glad to be talking to you today and love the idea of real estate investing. My husband and I started thinking about doing that, and then everything went crazy around here, and then we're like, oh, never mind. The prices went through the roof, so... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Market's up 18% year over year. I just read a stat throughout the country. So it's craziness. Wow. Now you're, you know, as an expert in in that field, we'll talk about fasting in a minute. (laughs) But (laughs) do you think that it's going to, you think we're going to see a correction or is it just going to go up, up, up? 
I definitely saw news about more inventory coming on the market because that's what the current issue is. You can't find anything to buy. Absolutely, because a normal market has about six months of inventory, and there's only about two months inventory. So with that being said, the prices have skyrocketed because there's nothing to buy. Well, you know, there you go. There's that classic supply and demand. So as long as the supply is low, I guess we're not going to see a crash anytime soon. So No, I mean, prices are starting to not. What's happening now is if you're priced properly, you sell quickly. If you're not priced right, you're starting to sit where six months ago, it didn't matter where you were priced, you were selling. So now that's gotten a little... uh tighter as well. Not as many offers. And so when I say that before you had 20, 30 offers, now you're only getting 15 offers. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine. That's a lot. And by the way, we're recording this in September. So who knows what the market will be doing in January. So if, if something happens between now and January, then everybody will be like, what are they even talking about? But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get to the subject of intermittent fasting. So you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting? And when was that? Great question. Question. The first, first time I ever heard of about intermittent fasting was in 2019. A real estate buddy of mine and I went to Jersey to look at some properties. And on the way there, he was telling me that he just started intermittent fasting. All he told me was, you don't eat for 16 hours and you eat for eight hours. I was like, okay, cool. Sounds pretty easy. He told me I could eat anything as long as it's in my window. So I went home, told my wife about it. She's like, that th- you could eat anything you want and you're not going to gain weight as long as it's in that time frame. I don't believe it. <laughs> so even without her, I decided to try it. Tried it, honestly, maybe a week, two weeks. I took that whole eating whatever you want to the extreme. And all I did was gain weight from it. <laughs> See, yeah. I remember when that eight-hour diet book first came out. The one, you know, it was called the eight-hour diet. And that's what he, he really sold it as eat whatever you want during eight hours. And I'm like you, Rich. I can eat a lot of food in eight hours. I was like, all right, challenge accepted. Absolutely. And mind you, I'm 5'3", I... 40 years old, and I weighed at that time. I was 39 at that time, and I weighed 196 pounds. So I was pretty plump. <laughs> and uh, I've always fluctuated in life. When I was younger, I was heavier. Then I, around 21, I started working out. I got, I went from 200 and change down to 147 and was all muscle. So it was actually nice. That didn't last too long once I got married. <laughs> so in my wife was diagnosed with a uh, Hashimoto's in early 2020 and she was on a bunch of Facebook groups for Hashimoto's and a few people recommended intermittent fasting and you in particular. Oh, well, that's exciting to hear. I love that that it's making the rounds in the health-related groups because that's really, you know, I always like to say intermittent fasting is the health plan with the side effect of weight loss, but I'm glad to hear that it's it's out there in the Hashimoto's community. So this was, she was diagnosed early 2020, March of 2020. She's read something and was like, hey, uh, I just read that intermittent fasting could possibly help with my Hashimoto's. Do you want to do it? I immediately said yes. She was like, all right, let's start. Uh, this was like a Saturday or a Friday. And she was like, okay, we'll start Monday. I was like, nope, I'm starting today. So I did start it. And uh, so it was March 9th, just before New York City got shut down for COVID. And I realized when COVID came, either you could, COVID was going to 
either bring you down or take you up. And I didn't want my family to go down. How much fatter could I get? All I wanted to do was sleep and be on my couch. Had no energy for anything. It was a scary time, right? We didn't know what was happening. And I imagine in New York, it was even scarier, you know, because we're down here in Georgia hearing the news out of New York and just y'all were like very much like, you know, the ground zero here in the States. Oh, yeah. I've learned through uh, life and real estate and everything. I really don't pay attention to the news because I know all it does is scare people. It's all it's, Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So I try not yeah. to. I, I get my news through my wife and like social media, stuff like that. And if it's something I really need to know about, then I'll do my research. <laughs> That's good. So you were, you know, it all started and you were like, I am could either go down or I could go up. I'm going to make the most of this time, right? Absolutely. And you know what? I have to be honest. I, I uh, was most motivated by my middle son. He's very blunt and honest. I love him to death. And he used to call me fat. And it, it killed me because he was 100% right. I had no energy to play with my kids. And yes, 39 was old, but again, it's only 39. I'm not 69. So I want to make sure. how old is that, that boy? How old is that that middle son? He's six. Okay. Oh, yeah. Six-year-olds, they will tell you the truth. <laughs> they do not let you talk. I remember a seven-year-old little girl one time. She's like, you have old lady hands. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that still sounds like my son. He made it a point yeah, to yeah. tell me all no the time filter. I was fat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you were motivated by that. 100%. I felt bad. How As a father, I wanted to be able to have the energy to play with my son. He's very into sports. And I, growing up, I was into sports. And not to have the energy to play with him, just very disappointing and disappointed in myself because I was probably in like 2018, 20, around maybe 160s. So to go from 160s to ballooning all the way to one. When I went to the doctor January 2020, I was 196. So how did you approach it differently versus that time before back in 2019 that didn't go so well? What was different in 2020 about your approach? Well, in 2020, the difference was I had my wife doing it with me. And she actually did more research and was like, Look, you can't, like, I wasn't told about the water thing. I didn't read anything about fasting. I just heard 16-8. Okay, I could do that. And I would drink, I'd have coffee in the off hours. So I was dirty fasting big time and didn't know that was a thing then. So then once my wife came across you, she saw that you wrote Delay, Don't Deny. We bought it right away. And I read that book in like three days. And it, it was one of the two books that have had a huge impact in my life. So I do appreciate that. Well, I'm so glad to hear it. I love that little book. It's been around for a while now, but I'm glad that it, it helped you to see. Because, you know, eating eating um, in an eating window sounds so simple, but there's just more to it than than that. Oh, yeah. And that stupid voice in your head doesn't ever shut up in those 16 hours. And it's hard. <laughs> Definitely was harder than it sounded. But then reading your book uh, definitely helped and you guiding us definitely because we both read the book. It was great. We ordered the second book right away and then we went on the wait list for uh, your la the last book and we're already on the wait list for your next book. <laughs> yeah. By the time this episode comes out, Cleanish will have just come out because it's January, which is coming faster than, than we think, I guess. You know, I can't believe it's already September. Although, again, love when people are hearing this, it's already January. So time is flying. 
So your wife and you started off together. And where did you start with your fasting window at that time? Okay, we started with a 16-8, more of like a 12 to 8 type of thing, 11 to 7. She also, again, because of Hashimoto, she had gained some weight and she wasn't happy about it. So again, that's what kind of brought us to intermittent fasting. And the first two weeks, we were good with the 16-8. Then we went down to 17-7. Two weeks after that, 18, 6, and so on and so forth, down to 24. Okay, so you gradually worked your way in until you ended up and kind of settled at 24. But are both of you pretty much 24? Is that, is that where you feel comfortable now? She's more of an 18, 16, 19, 5, but she's really good at not over-consuming in her window where I'm more of a... <laughs> eat as much as I can in that time, close it, and then be done type of thing. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, I'm one of those people who needs a shorter window for that very reason. I don't mean that I need like a one-hour window, but I like to eat a big meal. (laughs) 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 Sounds like we have that in common. Definitely. I took uh, to heart how you said OMAD doesn't have to really be just one sitting to treat the whole four hours as an OMAD and different like uh, courses of the meal. So I I do do that. And I'll be honest, I still don't eat right, but uh, the weight fell off. I went down from 196 to the bottom bottom. I was down to 131, but also that was from getting a little sick. I lost a little weight from that. And I settled in around like the 142 range. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. All right. So that's smaller than you had been before. So you said 142. So you really, you did great. And you're like right at a 
very lean weight for your body? Well, I'm the type of guy for me to get, when I get into something, either I'm sold and I'm all in or I'm not. And uh, I really got into it with the reading. I read all three of your books, Jason Fung's book also. That was a great book. And I started to do some longer fasts. We would do Mealless Mondays with you. Sometimes we take it to the extreme and not do a Tuesday. Also, stay under the 500 calories, not nothing at all. But 500 calories could go far with a lot of grilled chicken and salads and things of that nature. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is the 500 calorie down day is a great option. A lot of people just love it. So I'm glad that that was working well for you. Does your wife do those too sometimes? We were doing everything together. So it was great. It was motivating us. That's the best. Absolutely. I think that was obviously a bigger part is there were times where I wanted to eat off window and she's like, don't ruin it. It's not worth it. We're already three, four hours in. Do you really want to do it? And then extend your fast tomorrow. So it definitely helped having someone support me and me vice versa for her. Yeah, that's really important. You know, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to have someone at home who didn't support you, like actively, you know, thinking it was a bad idea. But, you know, luckily, Chad never did that with me. He might have been like, what is Jen doing in early days? But he never, you know, discouraged me. So that was good. And it was also really nice when he joined me in doing it. I mean, you know, he wasn't doing it to lose weight. He was just doing it for health benefits. But, you know, it's it's nice when he gets up and I don't have to immediately start, you know, finding him something for breakfast, you know. <laughs> so how has your wife done overall? I know you mentioned, you know, her Hashimoto's. How has it impacted her Hashimoto's? Has it? Okay, so my wife's Hashimoto's, how it was impacted. Her dosages when we first started were... 100 milligrams, somewhere around there for seven days a week. And then once she started doing it, then three months later, the dosage had gone down to, I think, like 88, six days a week. And then after doing it longer, she's gone down to 75 milligrams pills, seven days a week. Wow. So that really is a sign that her body is healing. Absolutely. And even when I first started, I was... Borderline diabetic, high cholesterol, and uh, my blood pressure wasn't too good. So how has that all changed? I have a 100% clean bill of health. Everything is in the norm. I went from being obese in BMI to finally first time ever in my life being normal. (laughs) So that was a nice thing. So you've been in the overweight range like as long as you can remember. Overweight for as long as I can remember and... To the point I was obese for, like, again, I'm a small guy and I needed to use the really big band for the blood pressure because I was technically obese based on my BMI to now where I'm on the normal blood pressure machine. (laughs) That is such a good feeling. So, like, you struggled with your weight throughout, like, high school. When did your struggle with weight begin? I would say more, like, when I was from around, like, the 8 to 10 age when I was younger. I, I got really heavy at that point, stopped playing sports. Then uh, when I was around 12, I got pneumonia, and that got me back into health, and I started playing sports at that point. So from in high school, I was never skinny, but I wasn't overweight. Then around 21, I was 18-ish, I I got really, really heavy. I was in a long-term relationship, and I went from 140 all the way to 201. And then once I got out of that relationship, I started to go to the gym and I started losing weight at that point. And around 21, I was 
at that time, the best shape of my life, and I weighed around 149, 147 pounds, somewhere around there. Okay. So it's really just been a battle, and you've been able to get it under control at a few points in your life, but it would just yo-yo back up. That's like really the story of my early days as well, my 20s and 30s. Absolutely. I would fluctuate from, in high school, I was around 135. When I graduated, I was around 135 pounds. And in my first year of college, I blew up all the way to 201. Just Yeah, college. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't go away or anything. It's just, I was, like I said, long-term relationship. You don't care anymore and you, you just eat away. <laughs> you were living at home? Yeah, I was living at home. And just once we, I got out of that relationship, I felt bad for myself and put on more weight and all that fun stuff. And then once you hit that bottom, bottom, I started to change. I think I was like a 38 pair of pants, 40 almost at that point. And again, I'm only 5'3". Right. And so then you just hit that rock bottom and you're like, I got to do something. That was me. I, I had like a point. I would always get to that point. For me, it was a size and it was size, you know, 14, 16. Once I start getting there, then you know the next step is that you're going to have to shop in a different department of the store. And so I would always get right there and they're like, all right, I got to do something. And then I would yo-yo back, you know, down and then back up and <sighs> the vicious cycle. But it feels like that cycle is broken, right? I definitely think so. It's been a year and a half now. And other than uh, in the beginning of the summer, we got a little more open with our windows because it's summer and all that fun stuff. And then now we've gotten back into 24 again, just so I want to get back to I got to get all the sugars out of my body. I'm a I'm a snacker candies. I love gummy stuff, Twizzlers, things of that nature. And Again, I'm all or nothing, so I don't eat a couple. I eat a bag at a time. <laughs> oh, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite, though. It's not sweet things for me. It's salty things. Like, I went to Costco yesterday and got – they were sampling again at our Costco, which I haven't seen them sampling at Costco since, you know, the pandemic. So they're, like, sampling. They're behind the glass, and they're sending it to our, you know, the, the plexi. And I, it was this hummus. And they're, like, hummus and these this naan. For me, it's the salty things. So it was, I had like a Costco size container of hummus and naan, and I'm just like eating it out of the container. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like that that whole thing was like one serving size, and then I looked at it, and it was like thirty serving sizes. So I was like, okay. <laughs> My like a big, salty. <laughs> yeah, big bag of Twizzlers for you, big tub of hummus for me. That's my <laughs> exactly one hundred percent. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. You got to work on those serving sizes and get it out get it out of the container and onto a plate. That helps me a lot. So, <laughs> so your taste in food hasn't changed at all. A little bit. I won't say as much as I wish it did like you. I do try to eat better quality of the crap that I like, but it is a tough battle and again, I I realize I have to just cut it out. I realize I can't I have to make better choices and I was listening to the podcast with Langston Moore and how he said, yeah, it really was like a a great aha moment with uh, two things with him was with realizing that sugars is the same as if I go and drink. I'm not a big drinker. And it's like it gives my body a hangover, the sugars to the point where I'm throwing up in the morning and things of that nature. It's horrible. 
You know, like for me, it hasn't happened quickly. You know, I talk about how my tastes have changed. It really, really didn't didn't happen overnight. Like, you know, right now it's it's September. We're about to have, you know, the Halloween season with the candy in the stores. That's probably already there. But I used to always buy um, Reese's peanut butter cups that looked like pumpkins. I don't know why I only bought them at Halloween, but I only did. But I would buy them every Halloween and I would eat them. I would put them in my closet. I would eat them all myself. And like every year I would buy more of those. And then all of a sudden one Halloween, and this is even after intermittent fasting, one Halloween I saw them and it was after Halloween and I hadn't bought them yet. And it was, they were on sale and I I was like, oh, I could buy those. And I'm like, oh, but I don't want to. And I just did, I haven't bought them since. And it just like all of a sudden that I didn't want them anymore. So it took a long time for me to get to that point. And it was like allowing myself to have them and then realizing I didn't even want them. That makes sense. I think it's more mental with me as well because I don't enjoy it. Like it's like you keep thinking, oh, I'm going to enjoy it. And the thought of it is better than the actual eating of it, (laughs) if that makes sense. No, I 100% get it because I'm sure you've heard me talk about how I've really scaled back my alcohol consumption. I'm, I'm not zero alcohol, but I've gotten to that point where I realize the thought of having it is better than the actual experience of having it. So I completely understand. I think we all have something we struggle with. And I mean, I'm not an alcoholic, but I struggle with wanting to have that glass of wine and knowing I won't feel great. I mean, I don't want to have, you know, two bottles of wine. I, I, I want to have the one glass, and but I'm not going to feel my best. And for you, it's sugar. For someone else, it could be, you know, potato chips. We all have those things we battle with. I could see that, and it, it's true. And that was another thing that I took away from Langston, like, Everything in life is should be delay and don't deny. Like all the those bad things you want to do, and they're not so bad if you do it. Delay yourself from the gratification and things of that nature. So I'm definitely glad I listened in on that podcast. It was great. He's a great one. But you're right. You know, delay it, and then when the time comes, you may not even want it. If you know you do like, yeah, I think about that. You know, when you're buying new things, you know, like this morning I got down this rabbit hole of looking at mixing bowls, which sounds crazy, but these were expensive mixing bowls, and I'm like, oh, they're so pretty. I need some new mixing bowls, and I put them in my cart, and then I walked away. You know, I was, you know, of course, shopping on Amazon, and then I was like, what am I doing? I don't need expensive new mixing bowls, so I took them out of my cart. I delayed. I didn't just click buy now, (laughs) so we can apply it from food to you know. Whether it's candy, whether it's potato chips or mixing bowls in our Amazon cart, right? It's a lifestyle. It really is, like you say. And that's what I love about it. And it helped me, like, in my mind, wrap it up where it's not like I have to limit myself to anything. I just have to limit myself to the window. To the time. At what time of the day? Are y'all evening eating window people, dinner, structured around the dinner hour? Is that what y'all do? I tried that. It's tough because my wife's more of a morning person. So she, when we were both doing 24, she was doing like a one to five. And I, at one point, was doing like three to seven. But then I tried getting into her top window. And that kind of threw my window off because then my body was used to the eating later. And then we decided to, so like she does her thing and I'll do my thing. And we'll try to at least have one meal together at some point. That makes sense. You know, you don't have to sync your eating window completely every single day. You know, you need to find the one that feels the best to you. And I I like that y'all are doing that, but you still manage to find the time to eat together when it works. 
the kids usually have dinner, unfortunately, themselves, but we're at the table with them and everything and sit down as if we were eating. It's just sometimes we don't eat or that'll be our meal for the day. Like we try to eat dinner around five o'clock, five thirty. It's it sounds early, but it's the only time that works for all of us. No, I totally get it. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for a lot of people sleep better when they have an early dinner. I actually like having an earlier, you know, rather than I don't feel great if I don't eat my dinner till really late, if I have a big dinner for going out with people. So I, I get it. 5 to 5.30 is probably an ideal time. Chad's not home that early a lot of times now. he's um, it's He's got lab. He's got those afternoon labs. So that pushes my window a little later when we have dinner together. But <laughs> <laughs> That's totally understandable. So how about your wife's success? I know you've had great weight loss success, and she's had the health benefits. How's her weight loss been? Is, is, I know you're telling your story, but she's very much part of your story. 100%. And she lost around 40 pounds as well. And our diets took off in complete different directions as far as weight loss. She was losing six to eight pounds a month in the beginning. I was only losing around four, and I was doing longer hours, and would drive me insane like I didn't see the weight loss really and until like my fourth month and in the first two months she lost 16 pounds and just kept running with it that's an important thing to focus on because you were not losing quickly at first and it's very unusual you know for a husband and wife to be doing something together and for the wife to lose faster than the husband so women out there <laughs> you can do it, but you stuck with it. You were losing weight slowly and you stuck with it. And so you say the pace kind of ramped up for you after a while? Yeah, I'm very data driven, so I had the, I was using an app to track everything obviously and uh my first month I lost four pounds, second month four pounds, third month four pounds, and very frustrating because 12 pounds in three months, I didn't really see on my body. My clothes maybe started to fit a little better. It went from being a size 36 where I should have been a 38. So 36 leaving a, a mark on my my stomach <laughs> type of thing. Literally, I hit rock bottom. I'll be honest, I was an appointment taking pictures of a home. I bent over to move something and ripped my pants. That's how bad it was. Like, ugh, it was just embarrassing. And seeing that slow loss and my wife doing great and like losing so much, it was, it actually made it harder for me. I get it. You know, because you're comparing yourself to her and she's doing great. She's losing six to eight pounds in a month and you're turtling along at the four. And, you know, after after that third month, did it, it picked up a little bit? The Fourth, fifth, and sixth month, I averaged almost 10 pounds a month losing. Oh, wow. So. See, that is fabulous. So you had those three first slow months, and your body was definitely doing something behind the scenes, something important. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was clearing out fat from a fatty liver, you know, losing that visceral fat that you couldn't really see, you know, changing your measurements. But then, bam, your body just fa fell in that groove. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. It was that's when it started to change for me because I had set a goal uh, when I first started intermittent fasting. I said, OK, I'm going to lose 40 by the time I turn 40. And uh, I, what, the day I started fasting, I think I was like 184. And I was like, all right, let me cheat a little and uh, go based on the doctors, 196. So if I lose it, I wanted to be around 156. 
I would have been happy with that. One between one forty nine and one fifty six was my first goal. Forty for forty. That was what I was running with. That's what I would tell myself. And again, this was in March, so I didn't have that much time till October to lose the weight. And I thought it was BS, not going to happen, but whatever, just keep me motivated. And then again, first month, March, end of March, I was only four pounds less. So I went from 183 to 179, then down to 175. Then uh, I noticed I went from a size 36 and barely fitting into it. By the summer, I was already a size 31, maybe. Wow. Yeah, and I was really happy with that. I started taking measurements and everything. Uh, I had when I first started, I was a 42 inch. My stomach was 42 inches. That has gone down to 30 now. Wow. Wow. 12 inches around your waist. I mean, that is such an important marker of health, your waist circumference. And to go down 12 inches around your waist. I mean, you've just improved your life and and health in so many ways right there. One million percent. And to the point where my oldest son is 11 and uh, I don't know where he gets his size from. He's 5'5 already, around 150 pounds. And his clothes is now my (laughs) (laughs) hand-me-down. That's great. I was down to size 28 and loose on me. And again, at shirts, I was a large, extra large, where now I fit in a kid's large. I sometimes find things in the kids' department, so I get it. Because I've got, I'm I'm short-waisted, so I have short legs, so, and and short arms. So sometimes like a an adult t-shirt, for example, the sleeves hang down farther on my arm than I like them to. So I'll, I have a whole bunch of t-shirts that I've gotten in the kids department. They just fit my proportions better. So I get it. That's a good little tip for anyone looking for. And the clothes are cheaper too in the kids department. It's fun. What has that middle boy said to you now? I bet they're proud of you. Now he actually calls me buff <laughs> and that made me feel better. And uh, I went from a uh, a beer belly to, I have muscles I've never seen in my life before, even when I was uh, working out like crazy, just because I wasn't fasting at the time, like the little, those near your ribs, all those muscles. And oh, I have a five pack. I haven't gotten that bottom yet, <laughs> but I have, my abs have been, are really defined and it's just amazing. It's changed my life in so many ways. That's amazing. Now, I know that in your past weight losses that you were successful with, working out played a big role. Would you say that working out has played a big role in it now? Not at all. I didn't start working out until a year later, and all I was doing is planking. I got to the point where I was planking six minutes straight until it locked up my back. (laughs) Oh, no. That's so funny that you say that because just yesterday, I mean, what are the chances of that? Yesterday, I was like, you know what? Because, you know, on the other side of menopause, so I'm like, I really need to purposefully work on maintaining muscle mass because as our hormones change, you know, women lose a lot of muscle mass after menopause. So I'm like doing more more things purposefully. So it's like, I'm going to start planking and I'm going to build up. So yesterday I did 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You don't realize how hard it is. Yeah, but I did it. I mean, I I set the timer for 30 seconds. That's like, I'm going to do 30 seconds. And so I did 30 seconds and I was able to do it. So today I'm like, well, do I try to do 35 seconds? I guess I will. I don't know. Well, I'm a big reader. So I read the book Atomic Habits and it's all about starting with the minute. So like literally when I started just before starting intermittent fasting, I had read that book 
And I, I started with one push-up. Like, and that was tough, to be honest with you. Then I got up to 10 push-ups, all the way to around 40, 50 push-ups. And I was like, all right, how many push-ups can I do? It's boring now. So then I got into the planking and started like you at 30 seconds. Okay, good. I felt like a wimp. I was like, am I a wimp starting at 30 seconds? I don't know. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yes. And I started around the 30-second mark. And uh, I worked up to a minute. Then, again, I'm big with uh, when I'm from high school, I used to wrestle. And my coach back then used to play uh, the Rocky themes music all through the whole time. So every time I try to get back into shape, my brain takes me back to wrestling time. When I, It was only two years of my life, but it was two amazing years. And I go back to that a lot. <laughs> Do you play Rocky <laughs> I planked to Eye of the Tiger, and the goal was I found a three-minute version of it. So my goal was to get up to three-minute planks, and I would plank to the whole song. Then once I start, I did that for like maybe two weeks, and then I pushed it to I found a Rocky, uh, Eye of the Tiger mix that was three and a half minutes. So I changed from the three-minute one to the three-and-a-half-minute, and, a half minute, and I, I kept finding different versions of that song up until six minutes. And I worked like every week or so, I would push myself an extra 30 seconds and keep going. And I had read Dave Goggins book and he's so extreme and like with your body and stuff, like just work through the pain. But I worked, through, I got too much pain from it because I was planking seven days a week and it was just too much. And at 40, my body was starting to lock up. My shoulders were hurting me and uh, I had to scale back with the planking. Okay. Yeah. Listen to that body. Definitely. And, you know, back to Atomic Habits, I read recently that James Clear is an intermittent faster. I don't know if I had ever heard that before. I like this week sometime I read something about him being an intermittent faster. And you know what's funny is I read it in the summer of 2020, and I was sitting on the beach reading it. And that day, it was like when my book hit the New York Times bestseller list, his book was also there. It was right next to mine. So like he was – he was was high – his was – Whatever mine was, his was better by one. But I was like, I'm reading his book, and my book is <laughs> – that was, like, surreal. But when I was reading it, of course, you know, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a long time. So much of Atomic Habits, it just sounded like intermittent fasting, you know, the way he talked about making it a habit. And so it really didn't surprise me when, when I found out he was an intermittent faster. Because that, that's just one more habit, you know, that we've got, a good habit of our life that we have. You know, once you cement it as a habit, it's there to stay. Absolutely. And that book was definitely a, a lot of ahas from that. And smart, you start tiny, like the smallest thing to do. And again, uh, behavior equals motivation plus action plus a prompt. And the higher the motivation, the easier the act, the better it is. And I started tiny and I basically took what he said. Every time he, he'd go to the bathroom and pee, he'd do a push-up. So I started small like that and kept working it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, little changes, you know, little changes and they add up over time and you get stronger and you don't even notice. Now you're doing two push-ups. Now you're doing three push-ups. Like couch to 5K, right? It's not couch to marathon day two, right? You got to start small and work your way up. 100% and it's definitely even impacted my business like I, I just mentally when you're heavier you're tough on yourself like especially when yes I was heavy most of my life but not that heavy and to be at that extreme and just 
exhausted from anything, like just no energy for anything to now just too much energy sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, as a realtor and as a real estate investor, you have to be on your feet running around. You, you've got to have the endurance to really move around well. Definitely. And uh, the scheduling is tough sometimes because as much as I try to schedule everything with the real estate business, people always want to go at it at night sometimes. And so, or then you get people at the other extreme and they want to go out during the day. And I time block certain hours, but I still have to be flexible in order to do what's good for my clients. Right. Because you really could be a call, you know, on call like Saturday, Sunday. I've thought about that a lot. It's you're really at the whim of when they can get out there. Exactly. I'm in a place in my business where I work mainly referrals, past clients. They just, they realize I'm not selling them. I'm honestly care about them. They, they've become like family to me. And I don't care about my interests. I care about theirs. At the end of the day, it's, I got to do what's right for them. And I've been blessed where I have one family. I worked with three generations of their family already. Oh, that's awesome. Those relationships are key. We've got a realtor that we we use like that when we want to go look at something, and she's great. And you know, you, and sometimes we're like, sorry to bother you. She's like, it's not a bother. I love doing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Us as realtors, we love to work with referrals. It's never a bother. It's, we appreciate that, that you guys think of us that way. <laughs> well, you know, you love, you love houses, but you love people, and you love helping them, you know, find what works for them. And very much like with intermittent fasting and me, you know, it, it's not – a burden, it's not a bother, it's what makes you happy. 100%. Like, you want to be a server to people. Like, I, I realized that growing up and just with a lot of the reading I've done. And what makes me happy is making people better, more efficient in life. Just, I'm all about efficiency. I, I like to do things the best I can, the fastest I can, and just do it the right way with everything. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I totally get that. So, you know, you're here sharing your story, but do you tell people about intermittent fasting in your daily life? I definitely try to, and I, I do realize a lot of them uh, always think about, oh, so you starve yourself 
And it's like, no, I tried to make them realize, like, go back to caveman times. You didn't eat three meals a day. You didn't eat every single day. Like, just makes sense. You got to give your body some rest. Like, it needs it. You can't be always running. Yeah, whenever people would say that to me, they're like, oh, you know, you're doing that starvation thing. I was like, well, you apparently have never eaten a meal with me if you think that I'm <laughs> doing a starvation thing because it's totally not like that at all. <laughs> I can tell exactly. And uh, also, you get that other extreme where people see, like, holy cow, where did you go? Are you sick or something? And then I tell them about intermittent fasting, and a lot of them try it, and then... They get off to a slow start like I did, and then they stop doing it, unfortunately. Well, I'm just so glad that you didn't stop doing it because, you know, we have these expectations from the diet industry and, you know, those diet magazines. And I was, you know, at the grocery store yesterday, and I was standing at the checkout waiting for my turn. And it was one of those women's magazines that has, it is mid-September right now. And the claim on the cover was like, lose, I can't remember the number of pounds by Thanksgiving. I'm like, nobody's going to lose that many pounds by Thanksgiving unless they're having like an amputation. I mean, I'm not making fun of amputations, but you know what? I'm. You can't lose that much weight that quickly unless a body part is gone. And people think that that is what is supposed to happen because we've gotten these, you know, crazy claims made to us. But that's not what intermittent fasting is. Definitely not. And something that worked well for me was like you how I don't remember if it was your book or Jason Fung's where like our bodies are smart and it adapts to us. And if you don't keep it guessing, you're going to plateau. So like every time I got close to a plateau, change it up, either eat more and for a shorter, like a longer window and then go back to a longer window. So like there were weeks where I would do 16, eight and then 22, two, 23, one type of thing or at an extent, do a, a 40 hour, a meal is Monday, and then... And then an up day. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really important. Our bodies are, you know, that you know they like homeostasis. You know, we have our body temperature set within a certain range, and our body does everything to keep us there. And, you know, the same with eating. If we have a pattern every day is the same, our body gets comfortable there, and it's like, all right, here's where we're going to stay. We're happy. We're in balance. Our bodies like to be in balance. So we have to, just like with, you know, weight training, if you were trying to build, you know, for a competition or bodybuilding competition, you wouldn't go and every day is leg day. You know, you switch it up. Just like we exercise our body, we, you know, with our eating pattern, we, we can switch it up too. And that, you know, people say, keep your body guessing. It's, yeah, <laughs> same kind of a thing. Absolutely, because again, like, go back to caveman time. Do you, you've never seen a depiction of a heavy caveman. <laughs> they didn't have breakfast. They didn't know when it was a set meal. And like when everyone, they're like, oh, about the starving. We have plenty of fat on us to survive. And look at the show Naked and Afraid. Those people aren't dying from uh, not eating. They're getting, if anything, they, they leave physically better shape. <laughs> I've never watched that one, but I remember Survivor back in the day when it first started, watching them on Survivor, and they're all out there, you know, foraging around. And <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. A great example as well. <laughs> so is there anything that you struggle with? The snacking, absolutely. Other than that, not thank God. I, I definitely didn't like the idea of doing anything. If I'm giving myself 100%, I'm not going to give myself an out with anything called dirty. I didn't like the idea of a dirty fast in any way, so... Like, I drink my black coffee, and I don't mind it. it my wife rather tea or nothing at this point. 
just because uh, she never acquired the taste of the black coffee. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Not everyone is a fan. And I didn't drink coffee until I was, gosh, in my 30s. Like I can remember, yeah, I didn't even drink it at all. Maybe almost my late 30s. But then I just started, Starbucks is what got me into it. Everybody was drinking Starbucks. I'm like, all right, I guess I better drink Starbucks too. I don't know what I'm missing. But the first time I went to a Starbucks, I got like a vanilla cream, which was like hot milk with vanilla in it. I mean, it didn't even have coffee. I can remember that. I felt that I was with my stepmother. She's like, you're having what? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even know how to order, order a latte. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now here I am drinking the black coffee. It's a big shift. I do open up my window most days with a, a Dunkin' iced latte, so I, I do still get my sugar rush with that. The caramel, I love it. I can't do anything about it. But again, I'm trying to make better choices, and I want to start to eliminate more of the sugars again, because I know Langston's interview just hit hit that in my head, and I got to clear I feel like it, it just makes you make bad decisions, the sugars. <laughs> well, I know what you mean. Well, that, that would be the same like with me, like I said, with the wine. You know, you have one, and you're like, all right, I'm feeling okay. I can have another one. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, that was too much. <laughs> the same with the sugar. You're like, well, I can have a little. And then it kind of opens the floodgates. And that's where we really have to know ourselves because, you know, I don't demonize alcohol. I don't demonize sugar. I don't demonize grains. But that doesn't mean that everybody does well with those foods or substances or items in their bodies. And, it, you know, if you know you can't just have, you know, one Twizzler, then you sh- you might should have zero Twizzlers. Certain things I just have to completely abstain from, with, like this, the Twizzlers and stuff, because I know I can't control myself. You give me one Twizzler, I want that whole bag. Yep, that's why I do not buy, you know, potato chips and Doritos and have them around the house. I have no off switch with those. Like, I have eaten a whole bag of... You know, like those little puffy things. What are those? A pirate booty, things like that. Have you ever had those? I'm not. My wife liked the likes the pirate booty. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I could see that she see? likes it. Salty it. and crunchy. That's that's. <laughs> I could eat an entire bag of that, and at the end, you don't even feel like you've eaten anything. And so, like, I cannot buy that because I will just eat them, and then at the end, you don't feel good. You're like, oh. Why did I eat that? But it just goes down and you just are like, well, I'll just have one more. Oh, I'll just have one more. So I totally get it. Yeah, Am I a, a pirate booty addict? No. <laughs> but those things are designed to keep us, you know, reaching back in that bag. Definitely. And then the TV doesn't help with the commercials, especially when you're fasting and one of those waves of hunger pangs and the commercials, not a good thing. <laughs> And, you know, the bags of those things have gotten bigger. Like I talked about being at Costco yesterday. Uh, the bags of, of the snacks are just, I mean, I know it's Costco, but they're huge. Oh, yeah, it's very true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't buy Twizzlers from there, thank God. <laughs> no, that would be dangerous. It's, and I probably should not buy hummus from there either. I'm learning. Those big old... <laughs> Well, the middle kid is yelling at me now about the candy. He's got into now telling me, Daddy, you know, if you eat it, you're not going to feel good in the morning. Oh, I love him. I, what's his name? His name's Matthew. Okay. I love Matthew because <laughs> he's such an encourager, but he's telling you the truth. He's telling it like it is. Absolutely. And he says it with a smile and so in a sweet, loving way that you can't even get mad at him because he's not wrong. He's just looking out for you. <laughs> Absolutely. 
(laughs) But, you know, he knows that you want to feel good and you're setting such a great example for him and for all your kids. Have y'all explained to them about intermittent fasting? You know, because a lot of times people worry about that. Are all three of yours boys? Yes, we have three boys. How do you explain it to the kids? What do you tell them? We let them know that we do eat in windows just because it's healthier. And my older son, he's very analytical and he sees that and he wants to do it with us. We just don't want him to do it to the extreme just because he's only 11. So and his body's growing. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, he, he'll self-regulate himself where he won't drink milk after 7 o'clock anymore or, or something of that nature. And in the morning, he does have something small just because he's got to go to school and everything. But he's a type I could see as soon as he's old enough, he'll be running with the intermittent fasting because he sees the way we do it. Matthew, I don't know now. Matthew's very, uh, he's an emotional leader <laughs> type of kid, but he's got that all that energy. So he's always out and about running and it's not affecting him, staying on him right now. At the same time, I think it would be a benefit to him and he's older to follow some type of fasting. Once their bodies are done growing and they're ready for it, you know, but just like the older one, not eating or not having milk after seven, you know, that's a great habit because we hear so many people that get into those, you know, evening snacking habits that you're just, you know, mindlessly doing it. And some of those habits start in childhood. I was doing that mindless eating myself. And that was the biggest change is giving up that stuff and just remembering that I could have it tomorrow if I still want it. And like you said, most of the time, the next day, I didn't want it. It was just that habit of being on the couch, watching TV, and just putting something in my mouth, more of a, an emotional eating, not because I had to. You know, and just, you know, having that delay. Like, I was just at the beach last month, and I was at the grocery store shopping for what I wanted to have, and the ice cream. I love ice cream. And I'm like, I'm at the beach. I love ice cream. And I'm like, I should buy some ice cream. I'm like, you know what? Instead of buying ice cream, if I want to have ice cream one night, I'm going to go get it. Like, at an ice cream parlor. There's, like, a really great ice cream parlor down there in Surfside Beach. I'll just go there, and I'll get a scoop of ice cream. And one night, I did do that. I went and got one scoop of ice cream, and I ate it, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't have that, you know, that whole container of ice cream there calling my name, because you could just mindlessly eat a lot of that. Definitely. We tried not to keep any ice cream in the house. The kids would eat it up. That's one thing that I would say maybe changed my... As far as my taste, I, I used to eat a lot of ice cream, too. Just growing up, it was always in the house, cookies and cream, chocolate chips, stuff like that. And I still like my butter pecan or pistachio every once in a while. But, again, more like when we go out or something, not to keep in the house anymore. Exactly. And so it becomes a little more special as well because it's a treat. You're going out, you're having it, and it's just a little more special than just having it all the time. And so you can really look forward to it. And a better quality, like you said, instead of that overly processed, like we go to the ice cream parlor that's hand, like they make it there and it tastes so much better and they enjoy it more. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Everybody goes at their own pace. Don't compare yourself to anyone else and just stick with it. If you really set your mind to it, it will come off. And it's amazing. And 
it gets easier. It definitely does. And you start like another thing from Langston. You push, okay, I did 22 hours. Tomorrow I want to do 23. Then I did my first 24 and up to like a 28 with absolutely nothing. Then to the mealest Monday with 500 calories. And you just want to keep pushing yourself. And then, okay, let's do, we did a mealless Monday. Let's do a mealless Tuesday. It's just keep yourself going and change it. Just stick with it and it will come. It does. It's, you can't expect years and decades of treating your body bad to come off in three months. That's not realistic. Yeah, that's huge. And I'm just so glad that you stuck with it. And, you know, I think having your wife, by the way, what is her name? You never, I don't think I ever asked you her name. Paulina. Having Paulina, tell Paulina I said hello. Having Paulina do it with you, I think, you know, you could have very easily gotten frustrated and said to heck with it. But thanks to her, y'all stuck with it together and you're both so much better off than you were before you started. Absolutely. It even brought us closer together again, especially with the pandemic and to have that bond us again. I mean, six months of being all together with the kids, three kids, it's a lot. And we actually enjoyed it. We really did. I mean, I'll be honest, maybe towards the end, it was like, okay, maybe it's time for them to go back to school. But five of the six (laughs) months, I loved it. I really, truly did. (laughs) Now it's like, all right, y'all back to school. Thank you. Teachers, it's back to you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Rich, I have really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you so much for being here today. Same here, Jen. Thank you for changing so many lives. I mean, you really did impact my life in a big way, and we appreciate it. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.